You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're speaking tonight, continuing this will be the second message in this series, An Hour to be Armored. And we're dealing with spiritual warfare. And it's been a couple of weeks, so you, you might have forgotten or you maybe just need refreshed a little bit. But the first message I talked about, a realization of who we're wrestling and then how we win. And we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. It's much more important and much more serious than that. We understand our adversary is not one another or somebody else that we can physically see. Our adversary is spiritual wickedness in high places. But I'm glad that we don't have to wrestle and lose. I'm glad that we can win. And we saw how Job did that. Tonight we're going to look at a truth that I think will be a help to you and encouragement to you as it was to me. Eventually I'll get into the armor, the actual armor. But before we get into verse 11, we need to get to verse number 10. And I want you to see what the Bible says here in verse number 10. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, and then like I said, we're going to read some scripture from Luke 11. Look what it said in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Before the command comes to be armored, the command is given to be strong. But it's not to flex your strength. It is not to stand in your own ability. The key in spiritual warfare is to stand strong in the Lord. And when you stand strong in the Lord, you can stand in the power of His might. What that means is when you and I are abiding in the Lord, we'll talk about this a little bit, when we stand in the Lord, we don't have to fight the battle on our own, but as we engage the enemy, the power of God, in fact, engages the enemy on our behalf. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not that we simply sit back and say, Well, God will take care of it. No, as we engage in this spiritual warfare, we can trust and depend upon the power of God to undergird us and to fight the battle on our behalf. Now take your Bible and go to Luke 11, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. We'll read in verse 14, and we'll read down through verse number 23. And I'm going to use this story to illustrate the truth of Ephesians chapter number 6. In Luke chapter number 11, this is a very important chapter. It begins with the Lord teaching us how to pray. Now, I don't suggest you pray this word for word. Every football team in America is doing this on every Saturday and Sunday. And it doesn't do you any good. It's vain repetition. But it is a model, an example of how we can pray. And then we see this illustration given to us, verse number 6 down through verse number 13, that when we pray, we should keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying. And God will eventually answer that prayer in His way and thank God He'll also give us the Holy Spirit. So you can see in this chapter, there's already an emphasis being placed on the fact you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to pray right. You need the Holy Spirit to be effective for God. Now in verse number 14, we begin to read a story about Jesus casting out a devil. Look what it says in verse 14. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. That means either it could not hear, this man could not hear, he could not speak because of this devil within him. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, watch this, the dumb spake. And the people wondered. 
But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. By the way, there's something wrong with you if every time God does something for somebody, you question it. That's free and not even part of the message, but I have a problem with people who are always critical of somebody else being blessed. And then they wonder why they're not blessed. It's because you are too bitter and backslidden to be blessed. Say amen right there. They should have been rejoicing. Look at verse 15. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. That word Beelzebub literally means the Lord of the house, referring to the devil. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto him, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, or rather, a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God, and maybe you want to underline that phrase, the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. Here it is, watch this. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. And I'm going to say scattereth, but I've been reading the other passages too much. Think about this with me. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to stand strong in the Lord in the power of his might. What he's telling us is you cannot be victorious in spiritual warfare by yourself. You need somebody bigger than you, badder than you, stronger than you to defeat the enemy that we're facing. Willpower won't do it. Reform won't do it. Your best intentions won't do it. You must have heavenly power to defeat spiritual wickedness that comes at you from high places. Here in Luke chapter number 11, Jesus has cast out a devil. And of course, the Pharisees, the, the, the men around begin to accuse him of casting out devils by the devil. And he said, that makes no sense whatsoever. He said, why would the devil combat himself? He said, here's the illustration. He says, there's a strong man that is armed. Not only is the strong man armed, he is also armored. Counterfeit of Ephesians chapter 6. He is armored. And as he is in the house, there is no man strong enough to bind him. Mark chapter 5, there's a man possessed with many devils and no man could bind him. There is no human flesh and blood that can bind that strong man. You cannot win that battle on your own. But when a stronger man shows up, the stronger man can do what the average man can't do. And the stronger man can enter into that house and bind the strong man and bring the victory. Tonight I want to preach on this thought and I'll apply it and I hope it'll make sense. It takes a stronger man to bind the strong man. And I want to remind us of the power that lies within us in spiritual warfare. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight to preach, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a quote from a commentary. I want you to hear it. It says, For Christians, life involves warfare, though the battle is not with earthy forces but with spiritual. They are involved in a struggle against hostile demonic powers who have rebelled against God and oppose His people. As ancient soldiers wore armor when they fought their battle, so Christians must prepare themselves for conflict. Here in Luke 11, I just sort of illustrated the story. I want you to hear what it says again. There is a strong man. This man is a man who is armed to the teeth. He has a house full of spoils, and nobody can overthrow this strong man. This man is powerful. He is prepared, and he's prowling, waiting for someone to attack him. 
He is authoritative, he is armed, and he is armored. He is fierce, he is fortified, and he is formidable. He taunts all of those that would come and try to take him from his high place. There is no one that is strong enough, that has the might, if you will, to enter into his domain and to bring him down. He stands there and he wags his finger, he waves his sword, and he says, bring it on, because he knows no one in that vicinity has been or is strong enough to bind him and spoil his goods. But in this story, there is a moment when one shows up on the scene that is stronger than he. He is not like the average man in town. He's not like others who've done battle with this foe before. This is a stronger man. The story tells us that he enters in, he storms the wall, slaps the shield from the strong man, snaps his sword across his knee, takes his armor, strips it off of him, binds him, and spoils his house. The lesson is this. The only way to beat a strong man is to have a stronger man. The book of Ephesus is divided into six chapters. You can take those chapters and divide it in half into two different sections. There's a section of doctrine and a section of duty. The opening three chapters are filled with truths about our wealth in Christ. It's doctrinal. But the closing chapters deal with our walk with Christ and our spiritual warfare. Now you study it out. Ephesus was a very secular city. Significant city, but secular. It was wealthy, it was worldly, and it was very superstitious. In fact, Ephesus was known as a seat of paganism and a city given to magic and spiritism. The Christians that lived in Ephesus lived in the shadow of the temple of Diana that would tower over the city every single day. So every day, these Christians were living in a place of spiritual wickedness and supernatural darkness. If ever a Christian needed to have the armor of God upon them, it it was these Christians in the city of Ephesus. I read a statement by a preacher from the 1600s. He said, if God were not my friend, Satan would not be so much my enemy. But tonight, if you're saved, it is imperative to understand, thank God, I'll be a friend to Jesus, and Jesus, like she's saying, is a friend of mine. But whenever I and the Lord got in business together, I became an enemy of the devil. The devil tirelessly targets the child of God. The devil is more than what we see portrayed on television. Understand that tonight. He is more than what Hollywood makes him out to be. He's more than a boogeyman hiding behind a bush. He's not some red-horned troublemaker with a pitchfork. He's not just a mascot for a sports team. The devil is very real, he's very active, and he's very powerful. And if ever a person had an enemy in the strictest, most severe sense of the word, you and I who are saved have an enemy in the devil. I quoted this in the first message. Martin Luther made the statement. He said, I know the devil is real. I battled him this morning. The devil has failed, if you're saved, from keeping you from becoming a child of God. 
But now his efforts are aimed at keeping you from living like you're a child of God. The wiles of the devil are varied. There are many. There's a myriad of tactics that he'll use. But some of these would be doubt, division, depression, discouragement, acts of depravity, weird thoughts and imaginations. And understand this. He can come like the prince of darkness that he is, but sometimes he'll parade like an angel of light. He'll attack us morally. He'll attack us intellectually. He'll attack us, attack us emotionally. And his motive is to destabilize you and I so that he can destroy our lives. I want you to understand that this is an hour to be armored with the armor of God. The devil operates alone sometimes, I believe, like a, a roaring lion. But he also operates in confederation with all the demons of hell like the prince of Persia in the book of Daniel. Satan knows that he has no hope of ultimate victory. So he's looking to gain temporal victory over my life and yours every day that we live. Here's what I'm afraid of. Satan is more faithful in seeking to devour Christians than Christians are at seeking not to be devoured. As Christians, we're commanded to put on the whole armor of God because the battle is real. It's spiritual and it's dangerous. Now, our enemy possesses limited power, but it is supernatural. Stronger than my power and stronger than yours. And the only hope I have of being victorious in this conflict is through one whose power supersedes that of my enemy. What I mean is a stronger man is needed. Tonight, I want to reintroduce us to our stronger man. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. We sing a song around here that says, It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. In 1 John 3 and verse 8, the Bible said, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So there it is tonight. Our sufficiency for this battle is not in ourselves. It is not of ourselves. But our sufficiency is totally in and of the Lord Jesus Christ. My only hope is Christ in me and I in Christ if I want to see victory. We used to sing the song, uh, I've sung it around the country places, on the victory side. Have you ever heard the song? No fear can haunt me, no foe can dawn me. On the victory side, with Christ within, the fight will win. On the victory side. Spiritual wickedness has to be met by, uh, by power that is higher than it. The head of hell can only be wounded or bruised, if you will, by the stronger man. Now, I don't care about your physical strength. It does not matter. It does not matter your mental acumen. It does not matter. None of us are adequate or equipped enough on our own to combat the devil. So what is our answer? Our answer is Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. It is to stand strong, but here's the phrase, in the Lord. That is a very Pauline phrase. He uses it throughout his epistles, in the Lord. It's a phrase of salvation. It's a phrase of standing, and it is a phrase of victory. We're able to understand we are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, that we've been born again, and now Christ is in us, and we're in Christ. And then in spiritual world, Warfare, the command is that I am to stand strong, but I stand strong in the Lord. So here's my command. It is not to stand in my strength or in my ability or leaning on my own understanding. I must stand in the Lord. I'll explain that in a minute. That word stand is a military term. 
It means to be at the ready. It means to be in your position. It means to be on your post. It means to be prepared for battle. It means do not break rank. Hold the fort until the battle is over. If you look up that word strong in verse number 10 and you run references, it alludes to more than physical strength that comes from without a man. What it alludes to is not external strength, but strength that abides within. So the impending command is this, stand or live in dependence upon a power that lives or abides on the inside of me. What it's saying, what it's saying is I am to stand in the power of the Christ that lives inside of me. Spiritual warfare is not one with carnal weaponry. Man is too frail, our flesh is too weak, we cannot win this battle. We have no hope of standing on our own. The power by which we can claim to be more than conquerors is the power of his might. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. The only way to defeat a strong man is with a stronger man. We are, I already know where I'm going, so I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of my... I, it's like I've already ridden the ride and know it's good and you haven't gotten to ride it yet. We are not greater than our adversary, but our Savior is. We're not more powerful than our adversary, but the Savior is. We're not stronger than our adversary, but our Savior is. Psalm 118, the Lord is my strength and my song. Psalm 18, it is God that girdeth me with strength. Isaiah 40, 29, he giveth power to the faint. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Th Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So how do I answer that with Colossians 2.15 And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Not that we are of ourselves sufficient to think of anything of ourselves, but our sufficient is of God. You can, you can go throughout history and you can name the strong man you want to name. You can take Alexander the Great or Napoleon. You can even take Paul or Peter, any man that ever walked out onto the spiritual battlefield alone. They all fell at the feet of their adversary and their blood stained the ground. But there is one that faced our foe and he did not fall. There is one that faced the foe and he did not fail. There is one who walked on the battlefield and he came back with victory. He stood before the enemy and came back with his head held in his hand. There's a stronger man than the strong man of this world and only he has enough strength to bind the strong man. So our answer for daily victory and spiritual warfare is more than just putting on armor. It is allowing Christ in us via the person of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit to fight the battle on our behalf. When I grew up, we had, we had bus stops, and uh, we uh, live as rural or whatever, but you have a bus stop, and the bus would come by, and we'd all get there at the bus stop, and uh, we'd, that's where everybody would fight and stuff, at the bus stop, and then you'd go to school all tore up, or you'd come home and fight at the bus stop and go home and get whooped for that, but anyway, I remember at the bus stop, there was this little guy, and he just was smaller than everybody else. He was, he was the same age, but small, and he had a, 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 what we thought was a fictitious bigger brother. 
Never saw him or anything. He's like, he had a beard in fifth grade and got shipped off wherever. And we'd, we'd heard stories of him, but never met him before. He got tattooed in the, in, in the delivery room. You know, just came out of the womb like that, pierced. And uh, Anyway, orange jumpsuit, Brother Whitlow, like you'll wear tomorrow when you go preach in the prison. But anyway, he uh, just rough. We'd heard about him. But there were some guys, and I didn't do this, but there were some guys that would beat up on that little guy. And uh, they just beat up on him, beat up on him. And he'd try to fight back but couldn't. Honestly, one day at that bus stop, when I walked down to that bus stop, there was a dude bigger than the bus stop standing there. <laughs> and that fictitious bigger brother had come back from wherever he was at, Folsom Prison or whatever. He came back. It's a Johnny Cash reference. I don't know, brother. I'm sorry. But I, he, he, came, he, came, <laughs> he came back, and he rearranged those guys' faces. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, they were smelling out of their mouth and talking with their nose. I mean, it was just, the, he, he did them over. But what an illustration. That little guy could not defeat his adversaries. But one day, a stronger man showed up and took care of his enemy. Now, Christ in me gives me hope for eternity. But me abiding in Christ by submitting to the Holy Spirit gives me strength for every day. Zechariah 4, Zechariah 4, 6 is not by might nor by, my, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In Acts 1, 8, the promise of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit is characterized by when he comes, you'll be endued with power from on high. You see, that's the key. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He's our power to witness and to walk, but he's also our power in spiritual warfare. Now, don't get nervous with me. I'm not asking you to speak in tongues or cut a cartwheel down the middle aisle. The Holy Spirit, though, is just as much God as God the Father or God the Son. I understand the Holy Spirit makes Baptist people nervous, but don't you know, of course, if the devil is going to attack a doctrine, he's going to attack the doctrine of the Holy Spirit because he knows the Holy Spirit is the one who meets him on the field of conflict. So he gets us scared of saying the word, but can I say that is the key to our victory. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 49, he wants the disciples to go out and preach to everybody. But he said, before you go out and preach to everybody, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What he's saying is you're going to fight some demons over there in the book of Acts. You're going to face some hardships in the book of Acts and you're not ready right now. But when the Holy Ghost comes on you and the power of God abides on you, then you go into battle. In Ephesians chapter number four, there's a phrase that says, neither give place to the devil. What it means is make sure you have no chinks in your armor. But I looked at that. It is sandwiched between Holy Spirit verses. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. But Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That comes before, then neither give place to the devil. Then the next piece of the sandwich is Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Then you turn the page, and this is leading us to Ephesians 6, warfare. Ephesians 5, 18, and be not drunk with, he's emphasizing it. And be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What he's saying is you can't win a spiritual battle with fleshly brain or brawn. It does not matter the circumference of your bicep or your brain. It takes something stronger than man to bind this strong man. The adversary we face is spiritual, and the only thing that can meet and attack him on the battlefield and win is the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, this I say, then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. At the moment of your salvation, you became inhabited by the most dynamic power this side of heaven. 
The person of the Holy Spirit took up residency within you when you were born again. Samson had such power when the Spirit came on him. But think of the power you and I possess when the Spirit came within us. In John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So tonight, if you're saved, God is inside of you. The entirety of eternity's power indwells you tonight. The power of the Holy Spirit to comfort, and guide, and teach, and enlighten, and to pray, and praise, and go before the devil in spirit warfare. It's all there within you and I. So the command is this, be strong in the Lord. And what he's saying is, be submitted, be yielded, be filled, be dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit of God because only he is stronger than our adversary. You say, well, I still don't believe it. I'm glad. That's why I asked you to underline the phrase, the finger of God. In Luke, Luke chapter 11, the emphasis is placed on the Spirit of God from the outset and throughout the text in the context of casting out demons, spiritual warfare. And Jesus explains it in verse number 21, and we told the story about the strong man representing the devil, the stronger man, but what is that stronger man? Now, you could probably apply that to Calvary and apply that in different ways to conversion, but I think it means more than that. I think it's about the comforter. You say, why is that? Because the phrase, the finger of God. You study your Bible, you'll find the phrase, the finger of God, used several times. The finger of God is the phrase that Pharaoh's magicians used whenever Moses defeated them in spiritual warfare. The finger of God is what, what came out of nowhere and inscribed on that stone too hard for man to chisel the Ten Commandments. The finger of God. The other time the finger of God is used besides Exodus and Deuteronomy is right here. The finger of God. Jesus said, I cast out devils by the finger of God. You say, well, that doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. It does if you believe your Bible. Because then if you take your Bible and go back to Matthew 12, 8, Jesus in the parallel passage said he cast out spirits by the Spirit of God. If Jesus entered into spiritual warfare with the power of the Holy Spirit, then don't you think you and I need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not strong enough, but he is. Amen. If the battle is in my mind, my mind is not strong enough, but he is. If the battle is physical, I'm not strong enough, but he is. If the battle is emotional, I'm not strong enough, but he is. That's why we think, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms of victory in Jesus, but it's also victory through Jesus. You read it in Ephesians 6. There are seven entities that work on Team Devil to combat Team Jesus, seven entities. You read it out. I wrote them down. There are principalities, powers, dominions, authorities, rulers of darkness, thrones, and evil spirits. In Revelation 3, Jesus, through the apostle John, refers to the Spirit of God as the seven spirits of God. That number seven means complete, perfect. There is a facet of the Holy Spirit that is perfectly made to combat anything that hell throws at you and I. It takes a stronger man to bind a strong man. Only the stronger man can bind the strong man. Here's what I mean. It takes a bigger lion to kill a lion. It takes a larger reaction to oppose an opposing action. Christ secured ultimate victory at Calvary. He cut the devil's head off with his own sword on the cross. But just as Christ secured eternal victory, the Holy Spirit enables daily victory. That's why it's not just life that we have, but we can also have life in that more abundantly. Your answer for binding the strong man 
is the stronger man. I can do all things through Christ which strength, who strengthen, which strengtheneth me. Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. Our victory is Christ. Our strength is Christ. Our position in battle has to be in Christ. 1 Samuel 17, 47. I might preach this in a service coming up. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Watch this. For the battle is the Lord's. You do not fight a spiritual foe with carnal weaponry. Ephesians 6, 11, And put on the whole armor of God. But not until Ephesians 10. Stand strong in the Lord. How am I going to stand strong in the Lord? That means be in the Spirit. Well, I'm going to have to be in the Scripture. I'm going to have to be in supplication. I'm going to have to be in service. I'm going to have to be in separation. I'm going to have to acknowledge the Holy Spirit lives within me. Amen? I'm going to have to acquiesce to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And then lastly, I'm going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to give me strength. You are indwelled tonight by power sufficient to stand. It doesn't matter who, if you're a Christian, we are all created equal in that area. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. I see that, can you imagine that strong man taunting? But thank God for the day the stronger man showed up. There was a day when you were lost and undone without God or a son, and the devil had his way with you, but when you got saved, the stronger man showed up. And thank God he spoiled his house. Amen. And he dwells within. And whenever the lion knocks at your door, let the bigger lion answer the door. Amen. And meet him on the field of battle with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.